listening to the Faithology Podcast with John Barrett, where you'll hear great ideas, interviews, and inspiration to help maximize your spiritual growth. Hey guys, I'm John Barrett. I am so glad that you are listening to episode two of the Faithology Podcast, where you're going to get great ideas, interviews, and inspiration to help maximize your spiritual growth. And that's what this is all about. I'm so glad that you're tuning in today. We are going to have a great episode. We're going to have some fantastic information, some inspiration, and some transformation is going to happen in your life today. We're believing that. I have got today the most special, amazing, incredible guest that I will ever have on this show in the whole future of my entire existence. I don't care how famous they are, how wealthy they are, how incredible they are, because I have got the best person that ever lived in front of me, my very own wife, Erin Nicole Barrett. How are you, baby doll? Good. That's quite an introduction. That is. That's like, you are you are famous. Well, that's how I see you as like the best person in the world. Well, we're actually celebrating our 13th. Is that right? Absolutely. Well, you have this like weird way of looking at it, right? Yeah. Talk to me about that. I don't like to say it's our 13th anniversary. We've been married 13 years. I like to say we just ended our 13th year and we're starting our 14th. Yes. Yes. So your math is like very optimistic into the future. We we are not celebrating our 13th year anniversary. We're celebrating our 14th beginning beginning. of our 14th year. Beginning of our 14th (laughs) year. Today, this very day. So very exciting. We had a very special date. Baby, I I rolled out the red carpet for you. And I have been planning this for, I don't, I mean, maybe years, possibly, and tell the listeners the most special thing that we've done today for our anniversary was go on a trip to Walmart. Yes. <laughs> we had it to was get special. It, it was, was special. special. <laughs> yeah. We had our two little girls with us, and we went to Walmart, and uh, we had to pick them up a few things, get ready for soccer tonight, and a bunch yes. of other fun stuff. But uh, we went to Walmart, so that was our date. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, but we ran into a lot of people that congratulated us. We did. On Facebook our anniversary, is amazing. Yeah, that's we, right. Yeah. <laughs> everybody knew on Facebook it was our anniversary. So yeah. actually, we were out today at a few different places, and everybody kept coming up to us saying "Happy anniversary." Yeah. And uh, you don't have a Facebook, so at first I think you were like, "How in the world do they know?" Yeah, and then and then I started to put yes. puzzle pieces together. That's right. Your Sherlock <laughs> Holmes kicked in. Although I like to think that I'm Sherlock and you're Watson, mm. but. I That's think it's okay. the other way around. I'll let you keep thinking that. <laughs> I know. I think that you're Sherlock and I'm Watson. But anyway, it's it's great to have you, baby, on the show today. And we have been married for 13 years or beginning our 14th year of marriage. We're very excited about that. And it's kind of special recording this podcast on our anniversary, yeah. which is pretty neat. So, so let me ask you this, babe. One of the things that we talk about a lot... Um, we're going to pull open the curtain into our private life a little bit, but not too far, not too far, <laughs> but just a little bit. But, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about is is the idea that we are really best friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we our marriage has really been built on um, not just sort of a, I don't know, I like you, I love you, you kind of make me feel good sort of or something, but really a friendship is, is really the th- same thing. We kind of have a saying, um, that we we say to each other a lot of hey you're my best friend I love you and I love being with you and spending time with you and and we share life together the experiences and and different things together that we do that we have fun um, really just like any friend that you'd go hang out with and and maybe enjoy like a hobby together or something we found those things. 
that we've kind of connected on um, where we like to learn. We like about history. We like to take the girls and go do things. We like to do all go to bookstores and look at books together and do different things like that. So, so let me ask you, in in your perspective as, as a woman, as as a wife, um, how important is this friendship? What why is our marriage for these thirteen years? 14 years starting. <laughs> Why has it been so successful? I mean, not to say we haven't had some rocky times and, you know, some times that were challenging, but but through it all, through it all, through it all. Sorry, I was singing the worship song. Uh, through it all, I mean, we, we've, I think the real anchor has been our friendship and our love for each other. So kind of talk about that, the importance of being friends and what that kind of means to you within the context of marriage. Yeah. I mean, and I truly mean that. It's not just something to say. I mean, I, I really, truly feel like you're my best friend. And uh, I, I, I can only chalk it up to the Lord when I think about it. I just think we're so very blessed to find each other. We have so, so many things in common. And the good thing is, is even things that we don't necessarily have in common, we can appreciate that the other one enjoys that. Mm -hmm. And we want to help that other person to enjoy those things or to develop those things in their life, to be able to experience those things, whatever they may be. And um, I just think, I don't know, it's just, it's just, we're very, very blessed in that. Well, and I think we, we focus on each other. You know, my mentor, John Maxwell, uh, teaches a, a, a principle in his book, 25 Ways to Win with People, which if you haven't got that book, listeners, go get that book. It's a fantastic book on how to connect with other people. And, and whether it's a spouse, whether it's your kids, whether it's a, a boss or friends or whatever, anybody, just humanity, people. So 25 Ways to Win with People. But one of the principles that he talks about is the 101 principle. And and he basically says, find at least the 1% that you agree on and give it 100% of your effort in any relationship, right? Because you're not, not every relationship are you going to agree 100% on everything. Your hobbies aren't going to line up completely, whether it's your spouse, your friends or whatever. Um, you know, you're going to have different tastes, different things that you like to do here and there. And, and that's okay. You may never have 100%. I, I, that might even be impossible, but find at least the 1% that you connect on, that you enjoy to do together, that you can really find common ground on, and then give it 100% of your effort. And I think we do that because I know, I mean, I, I love disc golf. I, I love to go play disc golf and I'm not great at it, but I'm learning to get better. And, uh, and you actually planned a date for, uh, and you don't like playing disc golf. You're not, you know, you're not huge in the like sports and all that. Or are you? I mean, am um, I missing something? I just don't want to make you feel bad. Oh, I show you up. wow. <laughs> I'm you're hiding so humble. that for, it's going to take another 14 years before I, I show you my best <laughs> oh, <my> nice. skills. <laughs> you're like holding out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, you're, you're not a big sports disc golf kind of a guy or, well, you're definitely not a guy. That would be really <laughs> bad, but you're definitely not a disc golf person, but you planned a whole date where, where you were going to take me out to go do disc golf and play with me and all this kind of stuff. And you've even went out there on the course with me a few times just having fun. And I'm sure you don't, you know, you're like, there's a hundred other things I'd probably love to do. But just like you said earlier, we find those things that 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 even if the other person doesn't like it 100%, we still support it and, and we, we enjoy being with each other. Right. And that's and, the thing. It brings joy to, to me to see you experience joy. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and I think that, that that's good. So find, you know, in any relationship, but especially with a spouse, those that are that are married that are listening, or uh, if you're single, you kind of kind of apply this to, to maybe friendships or, or family or, or whatever. But but work on that 101% principle. Find the 1% at least, the 1%, if not maybe 30 or 40% that you agree on, um, and then give it 100% of your effort. And that's how you're really going to connect 
with other people. And I think friendship is huge in marriage. It's it has to be built on that. We've seen a lot of people, babe, over the years that we've met with couples that really their their relationship was not built from the beginning on a friendship, mm-hmm. and they're really struggling. Yeah, because they they love each other. You know, I'm I'm using these terms kind of loosely, but they love each other, but they don't like each other. Right. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they love each other in the sense of I'm married to you. I, I'm supposed to love you. I need to. And, you know, and I do. I mean, I care about you, but they really don't like them. Right. You know what I mean? Where they like yeah. enjoy being with them. Yeah. And I think the good thing to remember in that situation is there's still hope. There's always hope. And I think that um, communication is huge. People always say that when you talk about relationships, communication's yeah. always been brought up. But but that's a big thing. I think, uh, you know, one thing that I can look back on us and, and say that I see, uh, you know, a commonality throughout our marriage is open communication. We both love to talk. Mm-hmm. We both love to hear what the other person has to say. We like to draw things out of each other. And so um, I think that that is one of the key things. You know, I think a lot of times in marriages, you know, you kind of get stuck in a rut. You get stuck in the everyday thing. You wake up, you're you're a mom, you're a dad, then you're a, a worker at whatever job that you're a part of, and then you come home and you and you, you're a mom or a dad again, and then you start the day over. And and even if you don't have children, if you have a, you know, a, a life that's you know your your job really takes a lot out of you, and when you get home, maybe you don't feel like you have a lot to give to that other person, mm-hmm. and so. Um, that that relationship, that idea of what a husband and wife is kind of just falls in the, in the background. And with that, a friendship. And then you kind of start to, to seek that best friendship maybe outside of the marriage in the place that you maybe spend more time at work or whatever. Yes. And uh, anyway. No, that's but, good. Well, yeah. and you, yeah, you, you, you turn into like roommates rather mm-hmm. than, than true lovers and, and supporters and servants of each other you almost become like a roommate relationship, mm-hmm. right? Rather right. than a, a romance, you know, relationship. Right. And the one thing that really sets apart a marriage um, is that eros love, as the Bible talks about. There's agape love, uh, there's phileo love, and there's eros love. Agape love is the unconditional love that God has for us that we should have for others, just very no strings attached. I just love you, you know, for who you are. The phileo love is the brotherly kind of love that you have for a brother, sister, uh, whether it's physical or in Christ or whatever. Um, and then the eros love is the sort of romantic love, where we get the word erotic love. And that and that's not all just to mean intimacy, you know, and that, but but that, that eros love that's this deep sort of um, hunger, this love in a, in a romantic sense, but in a very healthy way, I mean that, right. uh, a romantic love, not a, a lust or, 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 you know, or, or puppy dog love or something, mm-hmm. but a true God eros love. And, and that's so vital because I think a lot of marriages lose that. Mm-hmm. They know they need to have agape love because as Christians, we want to serve each other unconditionally. I know I need to unconditionally love my spouse. I need to do that. Phileo love. Yeah, you know, they're a roommate. They're, you know, my brotherly love for them. I care for them. But they lose that eros love, mm-hmm. that intimate love. And just like you were saying, you've got to keep that alive, right, through mm-hmm. communication. You've got to keep that alive through, you know, keeping the, the, the flame uh, a lit in your marriage, and I think we do a great job at that. Mm-hmm. What What are some things that we do that you you would say um, help us to keep that flame lit, that that love for each other, 
um, true love in every sense of the word. What are some things that you've noticed over the years or maybe some tips that you could give some of the listeners of things that we've done that have helped us keep that spark kind of alive? Can you think of a few things? Yeah. Well, one thing that I was thinking about when you were talking first is that um, a lot of times, you know, in marriages, you hear people say things kind of get stale or they know everything that there is to know about this person and that's it. But I think one thing that I've noticed um, in our relationship is that a person is deep. You know, there are so many layers. You know, what did they say? Like an onion has layers. Yeah, I mean, there or are an s- ogre. Or an right? ogre. An ogre has yeah. so many layers. And are you calling me an ogre? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, but it's just it's just one of those things where when you think that you know everything that there is to know about that person, you've probably just begun getting to know yes. them. It's kind of like our relationship with the Lord. You meet certain people in life, and you can just tell that they they have that that deep connection with the Lord. You you can you feel the Holy Spirit on them. You know you know that they've been spending a lot of time deep in the Word mm-hmm. and in worship, and and they're really seeking that out. And you you can just you can just feel that right um, when they give counsel, when they do, you know just anything yes. in life when you're around them, and um and and they've come to an understanding that even if you grew up in the church from the time that you were little, God is infinite. There's always something to be digging deeper to yes. find, you know, to find out about him and and our he's relation. He's like a big onion. He's yeah, yeah. You he's the Mac Daddy onion, <laughs> <laughs> the true onion. Yeah, and uh, in our in our marriages are to reflect our relationship with the Lord, right? It's yes. to kind of help us. So so to know that there's always something more and to appreciate that because I think a person be, um, starts to feel unappreciated when they feel like they've been found out and there's nothing else about yeah. them that's exciting. And so I think that first of all, just kind of realizing that and then creating environments to be able to peel back those layers, to be able to kind of get to know them and to answer your question, to give some specific things, you know, you you are the the king of ro- of being a romantic. I mean, you are <laughs> you, Mr. Baby. Romance. I am totally the man in the relationship when it comes to this. You're nice. so creative. And so, I mean, you have you know, all these date nights that you put together, which maybe you might want to share that a little bit more, but uh I don't know. Those are the special nights I remember, special yes. date nights that we just spend time together and we, you know. Yeah, and we and we make that a priority, you know, to go and, and not just even a date night, but to go away too. You know, that's mm-hmm. something that we value a lot is to get away, whether it's an overnight at a hotel or maybe even the, the kids go, you know, stay with their grandparents and we just have a night at the house where we can hang out together. And we make sure, because there's a lot of couples that, I mean, I've talked to, I mean, it's been years I mean, years since they've had a, a true date night. I'm not talking about like our extravagant date today to Walmart. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not saying like that. I'm talking about a true date night. Like, hey, we went away. You know, maybe out of town or, or whatever, even out of state for a weekend, an overnight, a week long, whatever. And and it really, we didn't actually do our first getaway without the girls, um, in our marriage without them until like years into it. Yeah. I mean, it was years and years and years actually. And it was kind of hard for us at first to, to leave them with the grandparents, not with us for more than you know overnight or two days. But we did. We And then since we've done some trips where we've been gone three or four days, maybe even five up to that, where we've not been with the girls. Mm-hmm. And, and we love them. We want to spend time with them. But we know that the best way that we can show them a great marriage is for us to have a great marriage. Mm-hmm right, to show them a great example. And if we're going to be the best for them, well, we've got to be together. So we've really valued having those date nights, going away for an overnight um, or, or a little trip to get away just you and I so that we can connect and we can talk and we can laugh together and we can experience things together. And that's vital, guys. And and, and if you're listening to this, um, you know, and you're married, I, it is vital that you 
you make it a a priority and i don't I, not a it's not a bonus a date night or a getaway is not well if we have time or some leftover money it can't be a bonus it has to be a necessity it has to be something that you schedule in that you're intentional about that you go and you get away and i think that those things have been huge for us. Mm-hmm. Again, we find the common things that we love to do. So we'll go and and maybe go do a museum or go out to eat at a, a favorite restaurant that we both like. Again, finding at those date nights and, and getaways, finding that 1%, it's, it's way more than 1% that we agree on, but, but we give it 100% of our effort. Yeah. So, and I like what you said about a marriage should reflect. So let, let's unpack this for a minute. That a marriage should reflect sort of the nature of God, right? And you, you talked about how God is so big and infinite and we need to be ever growing. And, and let me just say this. I hope I don't get off track here, but I, I forgot. I wanted to mention when you said that it's so important that we keep getting to know our spouse, that we keep peeling back the layers and that there's more to be found. Well, that that's also true in that we change over the years. And so it keeps us fresh, right? Because who we when we first got married 13 years, 14 years starting uh, ago, we're very different today than we are then. And some of our hopes, dreams, desires, or even hobbies or, or ever have evolved and they've changed. And so, it, again, back to your point, it's so vital that we keep digging into our spouse and, and keep getting to know them because in 15 years from now, we're probably going to be very different. Right. Our dreams, our desires, and, and our season of life. And so there's going to be something new to uncover about us mm-hmm. right? and, and it's and it's kind of our job as a spouse to do this because as you were saying we change over the years well as a spouse you help that change as mm-hmm. you get to know that person you, you can help bring things out of them i know you know so many things that I have been able to do in life, there's no way I would have been able to do them without you. The Lord used you as a tool. You know, when we first got married, I was the shyest person on the face of the earth. I mean, <laughs> you know, and you've just really helped to, to change that, to, to draw out of me who I am so that the Lord can use me. The Lord just, just uses us to help. We're supposed to be there to, to, to bring out the best in the other person. Yeah, as and God uses that. So in this idea of us, reflecting the nature of God in our marriage. And we've talked about this a lot. One of the greatest characteristics or attributes that we can reflect in our marriage is that of being a servant. We think about Jesus in in Philippians. I can't remember the exact verse in in Philippians, but where it talks about that, that Jesus made of himself no reputation. He took on the very form of a man. He humbled himself. He became a servant Mm -hmm. to people. And you think Jesus, the savior of the world, right? He had every right to be king, to be everybody serve him, wash his feet, uh, uh, you know, serve him because he deserves it. And yet he became the servant of all, our example. And I think that that in our marriage, being a servant is is a key because you're 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 going to be you can you can get the savior complex in a marriage. Where, where you think you're the savior and you should be served, you know, like you should be doing this for me, you should be doing that for me. And, and we miss it because we're not each other's savior. We're there to be each other's servant and to right. serve each other. Absolutely. And there was something that you shared with me years ago, and, and, and I love this. This was powerful. I've shared this many times with other people. But you said something, babe, years ago that I thought was so profound and um, in, in, I remember one day you, you had been reading, doing some quiet time with the Lord, and, and you just came up and, and you said, hey, I just need to apologize to you. 
And I remember thinking, uh, for what? You know, like what? 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 What's going on? What, I, nothing happened. And you said, well, I, I just realized, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this. I don't remember exactly how you said it, but you basically said, you know, I realized that I am, I am looking for you as my husband to meet my every need, and I just that expectation is too high. You are not my savior. You're you're not Jesus. There's only one man that could meet every one of my needs, and his name's Jesus. And, and I've almost been expecting you to meet every one of my needs. And I just realized that's sort of unrealistic. And, and, and I remember you kind of saying, you were kind of joking. You said, so I'm kind of letting you off the hook, you know, <laughs> kind of saying that I'm not looking for you to be my savior. And if I put that expectation, I'm sorry. Um, Jesus is my savior and you are a great bonus, a great uh, extra blessing that God has given me, but you're not my source mm-hmm. and I can't look at that. And I remember you saying that. And one, I remember just thinking, shoo, you know, wow, good. You know what I mean? Not that you were putting a lot of pressure on me, but but just that idea. But I also remember just thinking, wow, that's so impactful. If people could understand that, that your spouse is not your savior, they're, they're, they're just an, uh, um, a supplement. They're not your source. They're a supplement. And, and, and that we've got to kind of view that. And so, but anyway, going back to this idea of being a servant, what are some ideas? What are some things that you think about when it comes to serving each other? You're brilliant at this, by the way. You you will never you'll be so humble to like <laughs> not share anything, but you are like the greatest servant of all. I mean, I, I can't even imagine having anyone in my life that is not you as, as a wife because you serve me unbelievable. I mean, it, it's literally and crazy. But so share with us. I mean, how do how do you do that? How is that? what comes to mind when you think about serving? And I think sometimes you just do it intuitively. It just sort of happens. You don't even realize it. But let's just talk about that, being a servant to your spouse. What are some thoughts? I think the key is to marry someone who always sees the best in people (laughs) so that they think that (laughs) you're a servant. (laughs) But no, you're so sweet. (laughs) You're so sweet to say that. I want to live up to that. But um, I, you know, I think about doing things that, you wouldn't expect or things that might seem small but would make a big impact in your life. I, I, it's, that's just one of the things I think about is like, how could I make John's life a little bit easier? It could be something small like uh, getting your keys out for you in the morning and so that you don't have to find them or maybe in the wintertime going to start your car, scraping yes, the snow which off. Which you do all the time. <laughs> I'm like, Aaron, don't. And then you'll go out and you slippers and one foot of snow and start my car. But, you're beautiful, baby. Oh, you're wonderful. You, you're sweet. I just want you go, to I didn't mean to interrupt you. Though, but. No, that's okay. No, just things like that. Things that, you know, they're, they're not always big deals. It's not anything like that. It can just be the tiny things. The tiny things are the yes. things that matter. And and try to think of things that maybe that wouldn't matter to me as much, but I know it might matter to you. Yes. Trying to get to know you in that way, your love language, and trying to figure out ways to serve you in that way. So yeah. that would well, be... And, and, I, and I think you make a great point. It's not the big things, right? It's We make it so hard. We, we make it such a, well, how am I going to serve my spouse? What am I going to do? But it, it's really the little things that make a big difference. It's those little things that you do um, for them, like 
get their food, uh, start their car, leave a note for them, give them a call or something, or go, you know, get something for them, a movie that they've been wanting to see, or, you know, surprise them with with a trip or something that, you know, listening to them, that goes back to that communication, and hearing their, their, their needs and their hopes and their hobbies and their dreams, and then doing things to to help serve them in that, to say, hey, I got you this, hey, I got, I did this. And I don't just mean all physical things you have to buy them. I mean, just little thoughtful things, right? Mm-hmm. It's those little things that make a huge difference because most marriages suffer and fail because of, of that. Because what happens is the person starts saying, maybe it's a little selfish, but they just start saying, you know, my spouse, I don't even think they notice me anymore. I don't even think they care about me. Mm-hmm. And it's because the spouse stops serving a lot of times. And I'm not trying to cast blame on anybody. I mean, it always takes two to tango. I get it. But but it's the idea that this affirmation, this appreciation, this I'm thinking of you, I, I like you, I love you, I I'm, want to do things for you. It, when that stops happening, then all of a sudden now, that's when the roommate comes back in. You know, you lose the eros love. You you may have phileo, but that's on the verge of being lost. And then you just got agape, and then you're just hoping that you love them unconditionally. But then it gets just dangerous territory because you stop doing those little things. And Jesus, I mean, he did little things. I mean, he did some huge things, obviously, but little things like wash their, you know, the disciples' feet, little things like love people when everybody else was not and recognizing them when they didn't. And so I think it's so vital that that we've got to be a servant. We, we did a youth game a long, long time ago where, where we, um, we had a big banquet. We had all this food for the kids. And, and we, it was like a long table. I mean, we had like 80 kids on this long, long table sitting across from each other. Everybody was one-to-one across from each other down this long, long, long table or series of tables. And we put food out in front of them. We said, hey, we're going to have this awesome feast. We're going to have a lot of food. It's going to be really good. Are you guys ready to go? And everybody's like, yeah. And we said, all right, on your mark, it said, wait a minute. Hold on. Here's the trick. You cannot feed yourself. The only way that you can partake of all this food is if you have to feed the person in front of you. And if everybody does that, if everybody just reaches across the table and serves the other person, then hey, it's all good because everybody's still going to eat and everybody's going to get served and everybody's looking out for each other. And we did it, and it was, but it was a cool illustration. It was funny. You know, people were getting food over their face and all that, <laughs> uh, and they're teenagers, so it almost turned into a food fight. But, um, but it, it was a great illustration in the idea that when you reach across the table to your spouse, to your friends, to you know whatever context you're putting this in as being a servant, but in this context of marriage... When you reach across the table and you start to serve them, you start doing things for them, and then they start doing that back, both of your needs are getting met. It's not this selfish uh, marriage. It's not this kind of idea or the savior complex. Well, hey, you serve me, but I'm, you know, I don't, I don't have time to serve you. Right. You, you got to step up. You need to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that for you. You, yeah. you, you got to step it up and do something in this family. That's that's when it starts getting messed up because your expectation now is. Well, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do for me? Right. It's that whole idea of you shall love your neighbor as yourself, yes. not make sure that your neighbor's loving you the way that you want yes. them to. You know, you've got to really make sure that you're serving them and trying to meet their needs. Yeah. And the Bible talks about do to others as you would have them do to you. Not, uh, I want others to do to me what I want done to me. Yeah. It's the idea that, hey, I don't really want to do much for somebody. I just want them to do a lot for me. And, and again, it's it's having that servant mentality. And when you serve your spouse 
and 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 don't try to be the savior to your spouse or or that but when you truly just serve them that's when we're modeling true christianity right that's when god's blessing is in a marriage right mm-hmm. is is when you're both reflecting the nature and the character of god where you're reflecting that servanthood towards each other and the moment you start pulling that scorecard out hoping that that they'll do it back to you or putting those expectations is the moment you start getting in the dangerous, yeah. selfish ground. And you lose ground. You know, when Christ died for us, he didn't die for us and then say, well, now you need to do this and yeah. this and this in order to me? get the salvation. What are you going to do? Yeah. Maybe I'll give it to you. Maybe I won't. He just freely gave his life for us and said it's a gift, right? Yes. And in That's marriage, good. it's the it's the same thing. You know, you, you freely serve. But the problem happens is when, like you said, you, you keep that scorecard. And every yes. time you let your spouse know, well, wait a second, I did this for you. Yes. All of a sudden, those things get erased. Yeah. And you take a step backward. And, it, and instead of looking love and care, they fill in that space in the, the scorecard of their mind with resentment. And so yes. it's important that we do it and then we let it go. We plant that seed. Yeah, I love that. I love that when you flash it in front of them, the scorecard, you've just erased everything. Right. You've almost got to start over. I, I love it. Well, listen, guys, great stuff today. You know, JFK, the president said, ask not what you can do for your country uh, or ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I would say ask not what your spouse can do for you, but what <laughs> you can do for your spouse. Guys, I hope you got some good inspiration today. Aaron, I love you. You're the I best wife you. in the universe. Happy anniversary. Yes. Guys, thanks for listening to the Faithology Podcast. Be sure to tune in each month as we're going to be having interviews and all kinds of things. You're awesome. Have a great, great month. Thank you for listening to the Faithology Podcast. To get more of John's resources, visit his website at www.johnbarrettblog.com.